Gaysa Radio, where you are family. Coming up in my trance journey, Niels Janssen, a transgender man, shares his journey of self-discovery, loss of family and friends during his transition, which happened much later in his life. Niels overcame the negatives to become the first transgender winner of Mr. Gay Denmark and the first runner-up in Mr. Gay Europe. Now, I think what makes this very interesting and uh, very unique, it's uh, you are also transgendered. Yes, that's correct. And it's the first time in 17 years that this has happened in Denmark. Well, it's the first time that a transgender man has ever won a national uh, Mr. Gay competition anywhere. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> now, I've got a million and one questions, and I think I'm going to start off with this, asking you about e- your trans journey. How did your journey start? Well, um, I don't know if I'd call it a journey, because it's just my life, kind of, but I came out when I was 38, so that was about six and a half years ago. And then I started my transition pretty fast. I got on hormones got a bunch of surgeries, and I got it over pretty quickly. Uh, once once I realized that, you know, this is what I wanted, I had the opportunity to get hormones really fast because in Denmark at the time, there were gynecologists that sort of in a protest against the system that we had just gave us hormones, which was really good because I started about two months after I came out. And my surgeries, I've done two in Germany, which I paid for myself, and one in Serbia, which I also paid for myself. So I've been self-pay all the way, which is why I could do it fast. How did you realize you were different? I mean, you, you must have known always. Well, that's kind of, yeah, kind of. I knew that there was something wrong with me, but I didn't know what it was. And that was, um, th- the weird thing is that, like a lot of trans guys, they describe that, yeah, I always knew I was a boy. Well, I didn't. But I always knew I was different. And I think in a long time, I just, you know, it was just, I figured it was because I was smart. Because that makes me different too. And I knew that I was smarter than most other kids. So I figured, oh, okay, that's probably what it is. And I went to puberty and that sucked. But then I just figured, okay, well, all, all kids have problems in puberty. And that's probably why I feel so bad. And it was never kind of obvious to me that that I was trans until I kind of started to explore why I had these feelings, why I was so masculine, why I just felt more comfortable in, you know, men's clothes rather than women's clothes and and, and what all of this was about. And I think the kind of thing that really made me realize was that I figured out you could be gay and trans because I've always been attracted to men. And every, every single time I heard about trans guys, it was, oh, it's you're some sort of lesbian then you transition, then you become a straight man. And that's the narrative. So I never heard, met anybody that would say, yeah, I'm gay. And when I realized that you could do that, that's when I started, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'm a trans guy. And, but, but when I started hormones, I was, I was pretty much like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see what happens. If it's not for me, then it's not for me, but at least I tried it. And so I had my first um, dose of testosterone, and I knew immediately that this was the right thing for me. Immediately. It was like, you know, I woke up. Uh, so for me, it's always been kind of like a physical thing. Um, it was, you know, I didn't know what dysphoria was. If somebody had described it to me, I think I would have recognized it immediately, but there were just no descriptions. You mentioned dysphoria. Did you suffer from dysphoria at all? But you say you didn't uh, have a name to put to it. What did you go through? Yeah. Well, uh, well, I had um, anxiety um, pretty much since the uh, beginning of puberty, but always, but it just intensified in puberty. I had depression. Uh, I couldn't let anybody touch me at all. Um, it, if I gave a hug to somebody, I always felt wrong. I always felt like I had to pull away because there was something in the way that I didn't want to be there. So I just couldn't get physically close to anybody. Um, and I just felt bad about you know the whole thing, but I just didn't have the words to describe what this thing meant. I think a lot of the times when people describe their trans, they, they are having this mystical feeling of always knowing. And I think for a lot of trans people, that's true. That's very true. They always knew. But for me, it wasn't like that. It was just something was wrong. 
and I didn't know how to describe it. But once I sort of came out as trans and decided I'm going to try to to transition physically, immediately when I got into testosterone, I knew that that was what I was missing because the thing is that men, when they don't have enough testosterone in their blood, they get depressed and anxious and all this kind of thing. We see this in um, in the male menopause that testosterone levels go lower and men start feeling bad. And I just had that my whole life, basically. Like, I did not have enough testosterone in my blood. And once I got it, I felt so much better that I just knew that that was it. It was just a, it was a chemical thing, like a like an anatomical chemical thing for me. It wasn't about feeling my gender as much as just knowing that that this is the right kind of body for me. And you said it took you 38 years to get to that point. Well, 38 years, yes. <laughs> it took a long time. Uh, I mean, it was pretty much like, like I needed the internet to be invented. That was one thing. And second, I needed somebody to write about this in a way that I could relate to. Which was also because I was looking, but I think I was searching for the wrong things. I was, I was searching for, you know, discomfort with my body and, you know, the stuff that came up. It was always about, well, you know, sometimes intelligent women have issues with their bodies because they're too intellectual and this is what you do about it and blah, 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 which didn't really fit me. But that was, you know, if you don't know what you're looking for, it's kind of hard to find it. When you realized that um, this was the, the case, what did you go through? Was it difficult to cope with it, to come to terms with it? It was, well, it took about, like, I think six months, really, when I, you know, realized that I could be gay and trans to, to kind of convince myself that this was the right thing, because there's a lot of things you have to give up. Like, I had tried to build an identity as a woman and, and, and tried to kind of fit into that, even though it never worked. But it's hard to, something you've fought for for a long time, to sort of say, well, I can't do it. I really can't do it. I'm going to try something different. Um, so that was kind of a struggle. Uh, but once I did that, I just felt so much better. Just having, you know, I'm going to give up and I'm just going to be me. I'm going to try try to do that. And it just it just worked for me. So I think it's always kind of a struggle to, to realize who you are. Uh, even... Even I, I, I went to like a group of, of uh, gay men who'd come out late in life and their experiences, they were cisgender gay men, but their experiences rang too, true to me too. I mean, they've been to all sorts of counseling and trying to figure out what's wrong with their wives and stuff. And then, you know, late in life, like in the 40s and 50s, they just realized, oh, oh, I'm gay. That's what it is. So I think some of us just come out late. We just don't know and we're just looking for it. And, and once we find it, we realize and I think that I hope that in the future um, trans people will come out early and early because it's a long time to live in a state of distress which is what it was for me my body was giving me stress and was making me ill and and I think in order to do that in order to have that future we need to talk about what it really feels like to be trans and, and, and what it might what it feels like for me and for me it was like I couldn't reconcile my my gender expression with the fact that I was attracted to men. That just didn't work. And so what I'm trying to do is, you know, just putting my story out there saying this is this is how I felt. If somebody feels that way, you might want to explore things like that. But I also know that every single trans person is different and they might come out in different ways and come out to different things. So I'm just putting myself out there as an example, not as, you know, a template that everybody has to follow because everybody's different. I think that's one of the things you mentioned now, which is absolutely such a misconception about, is that whatever gender you are, if you go for a gender reassignment or have your gender marker kind of changed, people believe that you yeah. now have to go for the opposite gender. And that's not the case. Not for everybody. Not for everybody. For me, no. it was kind of obvious. Yeah. For me, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm a man. Uh, and I had my gender marker changed. At the time in Denmark, I had to get castrated to get my gender marker changed. Now, I was part of the group of trans people that, together with Amnesty International, uh, made a campaign to have that law changed. So the law now is you just have to tell them you want your gender marker changed, wait six months, and then get it changed. So that was like my first, you know, human rights kind of victory is what being a part of the group 
of people because I got up and I told my story on TV and for news media and said I I had to get castrated to get my gender market changed. That is not right. That this is this is the state that decides what kind of body I should have, and that is not right. And together with a bunch of other people who told their stories, we actually went in and talked to politicians and we made them we made them change the law. Um, I think we were the third country in the world to change the law so you don't have any kind of uh, declaration from a doctor or need any kind of surgery. It's just on on your own say so alone. So, but but I had I had to be castrated to get my gender marker changed. But a lot of people they don't want that castration. They don't want uh, their body to be changed, and I think that's totally fine. You are what you say you are. Unfortunately, we couldn't change the law to include an option that is not male or female, like a third option. Um, we're, we're working on it. It's, uh, I, th- I think it's something that's coming. But the thing about it is that we have social security numbers, and the last digit and last number is either odd or even. And if it's odd, you're male. If it's even, you're female. So every single like system that we have depends on that number. So if you want to change that, it's a big deal, an expensive deal. Um, so, so we're still working on it, but it's gonna it's gonna be a while, unfortunately. You were talking about the hormone replacement therapy as well. How easily ac- accessible is it? Because I know here in South Africa there are some difficulties, especially if you go from male to female. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I of course went from female to male, which is testosterone, which. I, I was so lucky. I came out in 2012. And at the, I mean, the system we have here in Denmark is horrible. It's absolutely terrible. We have uh, clinics where you have to go and you have to convince them that you say you are. So they put you through psychological tests, IQ tests. Uh, they ask you all kinds of invasive questions. It used to be that they actually had your parents come in and, ask, and then they asked them questions about your childhood. So we've changed that too. But the way it was in 2012... I just could not deal with this. I mean, it, at the time, they also did not accept gay people. Uh, if you were gay, you would have to go to like extra special, you know, long uh, time to, to uh, in order to get your treatment. So I just didn't want to do that. And fortunately, there were doctors at that time in Denmark who also thought that this system was really, really bad and really, really, you know, a human rights violation. So as a protest, they gave us hormones. Just from a conversation, I went there, I had a, a nice conversation, I talked about my physical health, I talked about, you know, why I wanted the hormones, and the doctor said, okay, I'm going to prescribe you this, take it, if if you feel, if it doesn't feel right, tell me immediately and stop immediately, if it does feel right, you know, then that's good, and then I had to come back two weeks after to get my blood work and to talk about how it felt, had to come ba- back, you know, after a month and again, blood work until I felt and so I, you know, that was shut down, by the way, by the government. So, so what happened was they threatened to, to take away this doctor's authorization to be a doctor and that he had to send everybody to the clinic. Then they realized there was about 200 people he had in his care, and so they couldn't do that. So they, they told him instead, okay, you can't give any more people hormones, but those that, that already have the hormones, they can stay and have their hormones until we figure out what to do. And so that's what happened to me um, is that, you know, the government actually threatened to take away all our hormones and then they realized how many there were and then we got to keep doing our hormones. And in the meantime, I was castrated and then, you know, the law is different because when you're castrated, you now have a physical problem, not a mental problem. So if you don't produce any hormones yourself, you can get the hormones just from any doctor. So that was kind of, you know, my process. So I was pretty fortunate that I just happened to come out at a time where I could access hormone pretty easily. Uh, as far as surgeries goes, I had my surgeries in Germany. There is a hospital down there that most Danish trans guys go to for top surgery and castration. And then I had my um, metoidoplasty surgery in Serbia, where a lot of guys go to have that particular surgery. So I was fortunate enough to have enough money to pay for it. I mean, that's another barrier in, in a lot of places. Like, I'm not allowed to pay for it in Denmark even now. So if, if some doctor wanted to do a top surgery and he was qualified, he wouldn't be allowed to do it. Um, 
even if I had the money to pay for it. So I had to go somewhere else. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, gatekeeping, I was pretty lucky, but it depended on me being, you know, at the right place at the right time and also having money to do it. What were the most difficult things that you've gone through on your journey so far? Well, um, there's been a lot, but I think, I think the one that hurt the most was that I was, I've had, I had my surgeries. I was well into my transition. I was done with all the physical parts. And I met this guy at a party and we got to talking and turned out he was gay too. And we then went on a date. And then after, you know, and then he kind of ghosted me and then after a couple of days he wrote to me that he really liked me but he couldn't date me because I was trans and that was really like that broke my heart because I really like this guy and I know he liked me too but the fact that I was trans was was and he didn't even you know say something nice you know he didn't even say like oh you know I can't do it right now or anything like that was just you're trans I can't be with you and that really hurt me because being rejected like that at a time where I couldn't do anything else. I mean, I've had all my surgeries. I was in a good place with myself. I was in a good place with my body. It was finally, everything was finally right. And then realizing that I now live in a culture where I am a second-rate citizen and where it's perfectly okay to reject me just for being who I am. And... You know, being in that situation, this is something that I couldn't change. There was no amount of surgeries or anything that I could do to to help this, to, to change the gay community to actually accept me as an equal. And that was hard. That I really I really struggled with that for a long, long time. And I guess I still am some in somehow because I'm still trying to do things that will make the gay community realize that I do belong here, that I am, you know, that it's not, it doesn't make you straight or bi to be with me. It just doesn't. I'm a man just as anybody else. And I think it's, it's, it's still something we really have to work on because even though that I'm seen as a man in all other, you know, aspects of my life when it comes to dating, when it comes to men, I'm still, you know, I'm still not accepted. And that's really hard. That I, I'm really struggling with this. And I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to fix it. I think that's a common thing that happens in, in, in specifically. And, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm not criticizing you. I'm gay myself. And I hang my head yeah. in shame for my gay brothers and sisters out there. Because that's a common thing yeah. that happens as if you, once you've gone through your transition, Suddenly, you mm. it's like you don't belong anywhere. You, you you don't fit into the gay community, and now you don't fit into the straight community. And, you know, it's like right. people feel lost. Right. And But I think it is not just for being trans, because I'm doing this project. I did this project for Mr. Gay Europe, and it was about uh, collecting stories on how gay men are hurt by others in the LGBT community. And I talked to men that of color. I talked to men that had, you know, physical disability. And I talked to men that, you know, had a different religion than the common one. And they're all sharing this experience with me. It's not just me. It's everybody that kind of doesn't fit into this culture. And I'm just sort of, you know, I'm still working on it. But I'm sort of wondering if we can't take this commonality to make this a more inclusive place. Because a lot of us don't feel that we fit in and we try to and it doesn't work don't you think that so, comes from we've all our lives fought to be inclusive in everything as gay people and now suddenly we are right. inclusive but we are sort of doing exactly what was done to us to minorities within our groups i mean it's a common thing you, you know minorities they're actually more hurtful towards each other than towards the majority and I feel this specifically in the transgender community can be a very, very harsh, harsh place to be because people are struggling with their mental health and they're very, very, like, um, you know, oppressed by, you know, society. So we oppress each other. And I actually feel like the gay community is, is, is better than the trans community just in terms of being inclusive because it's a less oppressed community. It's still there, 
there's a lot of oppression going on, but it's less. So I think, you know, in order to fix this, we really need to, you know, decrease the pressure from the outside because then we'll be better able to um, be be there for each other and just be more accepting. I mean, for myself, I know that in the beginning of my transition, I was very much, this is just the way to be a trans guy and my way is the only way and somebody is different that, you know, feels awkward for me and that feels wrong to now where I'm just like, yeah, do you, be yourself, I'm me, that's fine. So it, it also depends on how mentally healthy you are. Are you in a good place, you know, in your life? Because if you are, then everybody else in different doesn't really bother you. But if you're struggling with your identity, if you're struggling with who you are, if you don't fit in, if you feel lonely, then somebody else being different is kind of a threat to you. And then we have all these different communities. You know, we have the, the bears and the leather gays and the, and the you know, the, the, the drag queens and, and, and we, the twinks. And we all divide ourselves up in these, you know, different cliques in order to have some place to fit in. But if you're comfortable with yourself, you fit in anywhere. It's just the fact that we are so oppressed still, even in countries like yours or mine, that are pretty liberal and open and where the laws are good. We're still oppressed because we grow up in a society where we do, don't fit in. And so, you know, carrying that shame with us just, you know, it messes us up. So we have a long way to go, all of us. I just think that if if I can do something about that, I want to do it. Because I'm, I'm kind of standing outside of it. I mean, I'm, I'm the person that they don't let into this, you know, society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so if I can just say, hey... You know, there's a lot of us standing outside of this. And maybe there are more of us that are standing outside that are included. And maybe if we could start a conversation about that, we could help each other. At least that's what I'm hoping to do with my project and with doing this whole mystery gay thing. I'm trying to make, you know, change gay culture, which is a big job. And I can't do it alone. But at least I think I can start some conversations about it. Because I think it would help a lot of people, not just trans guys, just a lot of people. I think we tend to just sort of, um, the other thing we tend to do is to, to label. We're just so quick to label and to say, you know, you're trans right. and your issues don't yeah. affect my issues. But at the end of the day, it's common issues that affect all of us. Right. And I think we have a tendency to label each other just to have some sort of identity for ourselves because we feel lost. If we don't fit into a box, it doesn't feel good. I mean, we're human beings. We need to socialize with other human beings. And in order to do that, if you grab a label and put it on yourself, at least you're in that box. And you can socialize with those that are in the same box. But it doesn't feel real good. It doesn't feel like real human contact. And I think there's there's a distinct lack, and I don't think it's just in the gay community. I think it's, in you know, when everything is online and everything is social media, there's a lack of, you know, intimacy in the world. And I think we need to figure out how to solve that problem. And I'm just trying to figure it out in, in, like, the gay community. How do we actually start talking to each other? How do we, you know, get beyond the screens that we sit behind? How do, how do we do that? And I know there's a lot of cool people that are working at this from different angles but i think it's like it's a common problem in the world that we live in and i don't know how to fix it but i think we have to try i agree with you it's become a very cold and yeah. impersonal place yes and mm. especially in the gay community where, where the, some people are only in touch with the community you know by apps like grinder and scruff and hornet and whatever you're using and if that's your only way to contact the community you're not going to have a very good image of what this community is i mean because it's harsh and people are you know really really harsh to each other and and if that's your only way to to contact other guys that are into guys you you're gonna have a problem with your self-image i think um so so i don't know i mean social media has done a lot of good we can contact each other um, we can find each other across great distances, and that's all good. But it also does something to us that's not good. And we need to kind of figure this out really fast because um, social media is a thing the way that, you know, 
political things are working, like the American election, like the Brexit election. It's 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 this beast that we created, and we don't know where it's going to take us. And I think it's one of the you know great problems that we have to solve. Talking about beasts, if we look back again on your journey, your darkest hour, would you say going through this breakup experience was your darkest hour, or did it get darker than that? Well. Well, I think that's that was really hard. I mean, that that just brought up all my anxiety and and stuff. Like, I've never been suicidal. It's just not my thing. But I've been very de- depressed, and I've been, you know, I've been, I've had days where I couldn't leave my bed. Not just, you know, my house, not no, my bed. I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the, you know, strength to do that. Um, so, so I guess that, that's hard too. You know, that just, but it's hard to describe depression because it's not necessarily a sad feeling for me. It's just a lack of initiative. It's a lack of energy. And so, so I, I guess that's, I've, and I've had that a lot. That happened a lot to me. But also, things have gotten better and better. Obviously, taking testosterone helped me enormously. And being in therapy, I have a really good therapist. It helps a lot to just deal with, you know, being in this world as a minority. Uh, so I've never really, I've always been somebody who just kept going, no matter how bad things got. I just kept going. And I think that coming out, that was also a way, that was the only way for me to keep on going. Um, so I had to, I had to be in a place mentally where I was, you know, up against the wall and it was just time to make such a drastic, drastic change in my life. Because I think I would have just, you know, muddled along and tried to make things work as long as I possibly could. And then when I couldn't do that anymore, I had to really face some hard truths about myself. So, I mean, that process was, that was dark too. But I've never been suicidal, which I, I think I'm in the minority of all trans people, actually. Um, I don't think it's in my nature. It's just, I, I have to figure out how to solve the problem. And as long as there's a problem, I'm going to try to solve it. I think the other thing that that I've kind of spoken to to especially um, you, you, one of the rare occasions where I've got a girl that has gone through transformation going to a man, but what one of the most right. men going over to transformation as women spoke about is the difficulties going onto the hormone replacements for them and emotionally, how they suddenly started yeah. crying more. Was this a difficult time for right. you on the testosterone? No, I love like testosterone is like a happy drug. It really is. It just, I had so much energy in the beginning. I was just so, you know, I went to the gym a lot and, you know, it was just, it was, testosterone was amazing and it still is. Like, I still know when it's time to take my shot. I know it because I start feeling bad and, you know, the anxiety start coming back and I feel that lack of initiative. So testosterone is just amazing. There's, you know, no two ways about it. It just, it just fits me. It just my brain needs it, and so I, th- I think uh, the interesting part is how differently you're treated in society. Obviously, since I transitioned to male, I suddenly have a higher status in society, and I think a lot of people that go the other way have a rude awakening to how women are treated in the world, um, and and that's something I know from my past is being perceived as a woman. I've been through a lot of things like. You know how sexism really works and stuff like that. I know this, but you know now it's just you know it, it's there's a freedom to this. There's a freedom to anonymity because before I stuck out, like I looked like a butch lesbian, and everybody in my in my you know friends and I was eventually going to this lesbian because that was just a stereotype that I fit into. Like, I've always been attracted to guys, so that didn't really work for me, but that's what I looked like. So I was yelled at in the street. I, you know, I just looked different. I, you know, kids would, you know, come up to me and ask me if I was a boy or a girl or, you know, stuff like that. I was just, I stuck out and I don't stick out anymore at all. I just blend in and that is, that gives me a lot of freedom, but it's also kind of like I don't like being anonymous I kind of like being you know somebody that people notices and now I have to I have to work for it a lot and I think um it's 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 really weird also how 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 different the expectations of you are like I remember I was walking down the street and this woman two starter cables and her back 
was dead. And she looked at me and she said, you're a man. You know how to do this. And I did not know how to do it. But <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I think it's like positive. That must be the red one and negative. That's the blue one. And then, you know, the other car. And luckily, some other guy who actually knew what he was doing came by and I didn't have to do anything. But just the expectation of things that I know how to do that I really don't know how to do. But there was this positive thing that, that okay, maybe I do know how to do this. And that I never experienced, you know, being perceived as female. I was always expected not to know how to do things. And people were surprised when I knew how to do them. But as being perceived as the man I am, certainly I'm perceived as, you know, somebody who knows what he's doing. And I don't always know what I'm doing, especially when it comes to mechanics and stuff. But, you, you know, just just that, you know, it gives you like a boost of self-confidence that people trust you to know how to do things. Um, and especially in my work, because I'm a software developer, it was like, it, it was really like a root of waking because once I, I, there's a lot of online forums when you can ask for help, you know, you say, I have this problem, how can I fix this? And when I had a female name, people would just like jump on themselves in order to help me to fix it <laughs> and just take me like, like all the way there. And, and once I started having a male name, it was like, you can do this. And then, you know, I had to fix it myself, right? And and I think it was like, it, for me, it was like, are people really rude now? You know, they're not helping me anymore. But actually, I think it's, 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 it's a vote of confidence. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to offend me by, by teaching me things that I should be knowing already. So they want to give me a hint, but not, you know, be extremely helpful. So that was really weird. Like, you know, there's a higher expectation and, and people help you less. People help you a lot less. And I think it's about, you know, you know, it, there's a lot of pride there, right? You know, I'm supposed to be, you know, too proud to receive help. But, you know, I actually, I'm not. If I ask for help, I actually need it. But there's a lot of mechanisms there that are just weird. Uh, and that you kind of have to figure out how to navigate. And, and you know, some some things are just surprising. On this journey, were there anybody who supported you? Yeah, I mean, my family, uh, obviously. So, well, that's not obvious. A lot of families actually don't. But I was pretty lucky because, you know, my family just immediately said, okay, that makes sense. I mean, it did make sense. Once you kind of wrap your head around the fact that, you know, uh, you know, I'm a man, I use different pronouns, I have a different name, it, it, it kind of, like, looking at my life, if you know me all my life, it did make sense. It wasn't like a big surprise. If you, if you know this, you know, if you know of the concept of a trans guy, it's like, oh, oh, okay, that make you know, that explains a lot, actually. And the people that were in my life, you know, they were still there. I mean, I lost some friends, but it's more because of this, uh, thing I call being a transilla. Like, like, if you're a bridezilla, okay, if you get married, right? You're getting married and everything is about the wedding or you're having a baby and everything is about the baby. And if you're transitioning, then everything in your life is about transitioning. And the friends you used to have, they may not be as interested as you are in this thing that you're going through. And I think that's that's part of why I lost a couple of friends. It wasn't that I was trans. It's just that I was obsessed with my transition and, that, and with what was happening with my body and stuff. And that you call Transilla? A Transilla, yes. I it's have to. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like it's like being a you know it's 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 everybody goes through it. Everybody goes through it. It's like you're obsessed because every single hair on your face needs to be like looked at and analyzed and if hair you know I, it took me like two years to even be able to grow facial hair. It was like, but it was very very important to me to be able to do that. Um, so, so you are in this, you know, huge, you know, thing in your life that just takes all of your attention and your friends might not be there. They might be doing something else. And I think that's, I mean, cause, cause I didn't lose friends because I was trans. It's just because I was obsessed, basically. And also I think there's a, the kind of friends you make when you're in, you know, a bad place in your life, it's not necessarily the kind of friends you want to have when you know you you get over it and you get better and you're in a different place it just you know the friends you make are kind of usually 
at the same level as you, so they're also kind of messed up. And when you're not messed up anymore, it's kind of like, uh, I, I got to find some new friends. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things goes on there. But my family's always been supportive of me. And, you know, at that I'm extremely grateful for. And, of course, also I had the support of, um, of like, my doctors, basically, uh, who gave me hormones, even though it was kind of illegal. Uh, and, you know surgeons and and people that are used to trans people are usually pretty good um so for that i'm thankful um so so i've been pretty lucky and i made new friends obviously you know being a new identity and stuff and starting to be in the lgbt community and doing you know activism work the way i do you kind of create a new family it's like your rainbow family so i have my original family but also the new one and in that respect, I'm pretty lucky, I think. How, how has this helped you to grow? Oh, wow. Uh, that's, uh, I, I, I think I'm, um, hmm. Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, at some point, you have to decide what kind of man you want to be. Um, because, you know, you're transitioning, you're being, you're being perceived as a man in society. And what kind of man you want to be kind of, you know, you got to think about that. And for me, I mean, I'm a feminist. I always have been. But I think it just intensified more, you know, being in this role of being at a higher level of privilege. It just made me more con- conscious about, well, what can I do for those that don't have the same level of privilege? And just seeing things in that manner um, is, is, is very essential to, to who I am. So I think that, I mean, coming out of strands and figuring out who you are in this world it's almost like uh, getting a humanities education in itself because you have to you have to figure out how do you want to tell your own narrative. There's a lot of trans narratives that are kind of put upon us and then there's your own experience and you kind of have to figure out well what who am I? What is my, you know, view of this world that I live in? What is my view of gender? How do I feel about that? How do I be inclusive to others? How do I, you know, contribute to the world so i think that um it's i don't know where i'd be if i wasn't trans i mean it's for me it's a very central part of my identity because it's just giving me a different perspective on the world uh than other men have and for that i'm really really grateful um so i think just going through something that's hard and that changes you. It's always going to make you grow in some way if it doesn't destroy you, which it hasn't for me. It's uh, so I don't. It's a really hard question because how do you? It, it's who I am. It's my definition of myself. Um, it's just um, I, I'm I'm really grateful for because the thing is okay. The thing is you also get a chance to really just throw away a lot of baggage and start over. You can really start over if you want to and just if you have toxic patterns of behavior, you can examine them and you can kind of figure, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. And you get this chance to be like to become who you really meant to be. And I'm doing that. I am being the person that I'm really meant to be right now. And and, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity. I'm I'm very thankful for having gone through this even though there's a lot of years that i feel that i've wasted and i've had to go through like immediately after i kind of got over the puberty state of my transition i went into like the biggest midlife crisis because i was just like in my 40s i had this long life um and i had this life ahead of me and i didn't know what i wanted to do with it and so i was like in a massive midlife crisis. And I'm not sure if that's over yet, but I think it is. But I had to figure out, what, well, what do I want to do with my life? It's something that, that happens in your 40s. You're kind of looking back at your life, and a lot of us, you know, it's over, and you're getting older, and you want to figure out what you're doing. And so I had to go through all of that. So I had my puberty, then I had my midlife crisis. And I don't know, if you don't grow from that, what, you know, I don't think, I don't know if, what kind of person you are if you don't grow from something like that. But, yeah, I'm pretty happy with with where I am right now, all in all. 
So that brings me to my next thing. So you've gone through puberty and through midlife crisis. How far are you on your journey now? And uh, that's a bit of a double one for me. It's like emotionally, I think. And then also physically, you mentioned you've got through all your your operations and surgeries yeah. and stuff. Right. I, I finished my physical transition in two years and two months, basically from my starting the hormones until I had my last surgery. That's so very that quick. Was, that is fast. Well, I needed it. I was like, okay, I need to do this now, and it, it has to be done because I needed my body to feel right, and it never did. So it was fast, and then after that, I, I think there was like a line in the sand where I said, okay, now my physical transition is over. It's not really because you're always like, – like what's happening to me now is more like aging, right? I'm losing my hair, uh, things like that, which is just a part of getting older. But I don't see it as transition related. I just see it as part of being a man. Um, so, so that part is it has been over for quite a while. I finished in two thousand fourteen. So that that's done. However, just in terms of emotionally, it's still it's still about finding my place in the world. It's still about finding out. Well, I'm a gay man, I'm a gay transgender man, and how do I fit in? How do I how do I change the world so it fits me better? basically, because I don't fit in. And I don't know, to be continued, it's a, it's a process. How are you coping today, if you're looking back at compared to in the past? Well, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, last year I kind of have a crisis, so I got back on antidepressants. I've I, I been on antidepressants for a long time, for like 12 years, and then I started on testosterone, and then I got off them because I was feeling a lot better. And now... Because of the crisis I was having, I got back on, and now I feel a lot better. I mean, I hadn't, I wouldn't have been able to do Mr. Gay Denmark or Europe if I hadn't gotten help. So this past year has kind of been, now I'm, I'm doing really well. What do I want to do with this? And um, so I'm, I'm in a good place at the moment. I'm, I, I think I might have to see what happens if I don't take the antidepressants. Is it something am I going to need the rest of my life? Or did I just need like a kick? Um, and that's going to be kind of interesting t to see what happens. And I'm working in my therapy and, and I'm, I think I'm doing really well. There's still, there's still uh, some minority stress, obviously, because we're all dealing with that, being a minority. And, you know, we're, the majority is never going to understand us. And we're always going to somehow but be oppressed. And that I have to deal with. And uh, I'm continuing to deal with that. But... Mostly, I'm um, I'm in a good place right now. I'm I'm in the right place, and I feel that I'm doing things that I never thought I would be able to do because doing like Mr. Gay Europe is hard. It's like a week of constant of being with people, and I'm an introvert, and I just never. I'm really really proud of myself just for having stuck with it and finished it. It's it, it's not about winning for me. It's just like being there and making my statement and just going through it and finishing it. And and I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of my achievement. And so I don't know where I go from here, but things are looking good, basically. So I'm in a good place. That brings me into the next one. What are you planning for the future? Well, um, right now, it's mostly about, you know, continuing with my project, uh, which I really want to do, which, you know, I talked about before. It's starting the conversation of how we hurt each other in the community and how we can fix that. Um, so I'm doing that. And then also I'm going to Mr. Gay World um, in April in Cape Town. So that's also something I have to prepare for. And the project is a part of that because I, I'm bringing it to that competition as well. I'm not expecting to place... Uh, highly in that one but I'm just going because it's important that somebody trans goes I think it's important that to, to be the first person to you know to, to pave the way for somebody else um, and that's what I'm trying to do well I can tell you you have my vote in that competition thank you very much <laughs> what is great about being trans would you say um I think I talked a lot about it. It's 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 the way to you know you get to examine your life in a way that a lot of people just don't get to, and you you get experiences of what it what the difference is between being seen as one gender and another, 
and gender is really fundamental in how we view the world. So it's it's kind of like an eye opener in a lot of ways, and that's really great. And I think I think that's it. Yeah, it, it's it's just the opportunity to learn. That's what I think is important. The best things that happened to you so far. The best thing. Hmm, that's difficult. I mean, there's a lot of good things. Like when we got the laws changed, we got two laws changed in Denmark. The first one was that you know we don't need to be castrated in order to have our legal gender marker changed. And the second one was we were actually the first country in the world to remove trans people from the psychiatric list of disorders to a different place. So in Denmark, we are no longer considered, um, you know, illness, which is really quite extraordinary. So those are good things. And my surgeries, just in general, it's like amazing. It's amazing to finally have a flat chest. It's amazing to, to finally have a body that doesn't, feel wrong to you and I mean I'm just so happy with everything and how that went the joy of being in this body every day is amazing and I'm so grateful that I was able to afford this and be able to do it so I think I mean I think transitioning physically for me um, was like it was just it saved my life and I think it, 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 it pains me to think that there are trans people out there that just cannot afford to to get the treatment that they need and this is something that we need to fix somehow because um it's just it is life-changing uh to finally be comfortable with who you are what is better than you could have ever wished for um hmm. I, i every time i had like my surgery, it, like a surgery, I was always kind of, well, I don't know if this is going to be right. You know, I don't know what this is, gonna, but I hope it will be better. And just, it just, it just is that good. It is just so good to be able to, I mean, even to be able to have sex, frankly, because I wasn't able to have sex before I had my surgeries at all. I wasn't able to have anybody touch me at all. So just being able to do that, being able to be intimate with other people, not even sex, just hugging, just being physically close to people. I mean, that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. So, I mean, even though I'm not part of, like, the gay community as such, there are places in the world that are much more accepting to trans men than, you know, Copenhagen is, and I can go there, and I can be part of the gay community. And I think that's that's the best part. It's It's just being a guy among guys. I mean, even even being in like the Mr. Gay Euro competition, I was there as an equal. I was not different than anybody else, and it just feels so good, just being part of it. What has all of this taught you? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it 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 everything. Uh, but I think it's it's so important to be able to trust yourself. And I think that's what was lacking for me before. It was like, because my body was somehow sending a wrong signals to me, I couldn't really trust my, you know, it was very, it was very difficult. Um, it's this state of, of anxiety that's now I know who I am. I know how, you know, I know that if I have a bad feeling about something, it's probably right. And if I have a good feeling about something, it's probably right too. I mean, it's just this, this internal feeling of, of being able to to trust myself that's that's really good and that, that I think that's what it's taught me and also it's taught me to be patient because I'm not a very patient person and being transition is slow even though I did it fast it is still very very slow and just having to be forced to be able to be patient it, I think that's that's what it's taught me that I can actually be patient If I have to, if I absolutely have to, I can. And just, I don't know, I just, I got to know myself a lot better. And I think that's what it taught me. Any advice that you could give people on a similar journey as you are? Hmm. Yeah, that's the, it, it's, it's listen to yourself. I mean, don't do something that you don't feel is right for you. Just don't have a surgery if you don't really need it. And don't take hormones if you feel that it's not the right, you know, not the right path for you. You have to be, you have to be 
you know, you have to know that's what you want. But also, don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to try and buy a binder and see if that makes you feel better. Don't be afraid to try hormones because it doesn't change you immediately. It just doesn't. So if you try it and you feel better, then you know you're going in the right direction. But don't be afraid to try and then, you know, realize, oh, this was not the right thing for me. It's okay to to, to try to transition in your way, to try to wear the kind of clothes you want to wear. Um, so I think that's uh, that's the best thing I can, who's just starting out, is don't be afraid to try and 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 listen to your gut. Listen to who you are. Don't try to be as everybody else. There's no one way to be trans. There's like as many ways as there are trans people and what's right for you is not necessarily right for, for everybody else. So, and, and that's okay. And just about being gay, I think it's, um, I don't know. I haven't fixed that one myself. I don't know how to, how to fix being, being trans and gay and getting that whole thing to work out with dating and, and meeting guys and stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. I would appreciate if somebody gave me advice about that, but I'm trying. I'm trying to 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 live the best life that I can and to um, stay away from the toxic parts of the community and try to find energy and in, in in the people that are actually doing really good work for you know for human rights and for things like that. So I don't know uh, that I, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that because I still don't know how what's the proper way to be a gay man and how to navigate that whole thing. And I, um, but I, yeah, I'm going I don't to, know if anybody knows. I'm going to take you up on that one. I think that's a whole episode interview on its own is how to be a proper gay man because I still haven't figured yes. that out, Niels. I'm still I don't struggling. Think anybody knows. I, I don't, don't think anybody knows. That's the thing. That's the thing. And I think we need to start talking about this is what kind of gay community do we want? Not the one we have, because we can all criticize Grindr and, you know, the bar scene and all that stuff. But what do we actually want? That, I think, is worth a conversation. And a very important conversation as well. Yes. Niels, anything you want to add that I haven't asked? No, I, I think um, I think I talked a lot, actually. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you're going to have to edit this, you know, because I kind of, sometimes I'm, I have a way of getting to the point, you know, you know, by going, you know, in out some tangent and then reeling myself back in. So. I love but it. But I hope you got what you needed. <laughs> I did. Thank you so much. Yes. Gay Sir Radio, okay. you are family. I'm Rion, and that was Niels Janssen talking to us about his journey as a transgendered man.